0: Love praising Jesus. Our uh, spring air is blowing through. It feels so good. Thank you, Pastor Jim. I want to uh, invite all of our Power Camp Sunday kids up here. Come on up here and you can grab a seat in front of me or on the steps. Come on, don't be shy. We'll just be up here a couple minutes. You can go sit back down. What's up, man? Here we come. All right. Some of you can sit down here so you're facing me a little bit. There we go. That's perfect. Come on. I see Michael coming from over here. All right. Got anybody else that wants to come brave enough? Come on. All right. I think it's easier to face you guys. We don't want to turn our backs to you. So yesterday, my kids and I were in the yard, and we found a robin's nest. Has anyone ever looked in a robin's nest? A couple people? Do you know what color robin's eggs are? They are this blue, kind of like this blue right here, or kind of like this blue over here. They are so blue. And in this little nest, there was four robin's eggs. And, you know, it's funny that we have Easter egg hunts. But, you know, those Easter eggs are kind of a symbol of new life, aren't they? Yeah? Well, I brought with me some raw eggs from home. Yeah, I did. Because, you know, sometimes do we make a mess sometimes? Yeah. Do you guys make a mess in your room sometimes? Come on, yeah? Do you make a mess by not listening to your parents sometimes? Yeah. Yeah. Do you make a mess maybe not listening to your teachers sometimes? Of course. Of course. Look at this <laughs> Look at this honesty. Let me get one from Cameron. I know. We make messes. Well, I wanted to I want to get two volunteers. Michael, I'm going to have you from down here and Cameron, I'm going to have you help me. You guys come over here. Now I'm going to take my raw eggs and I want you guys to help me make a really big mess. Okay. All right. So here we go. On on 3. I want you to make a big mess in my hands. Ready? One, two, three. I broke them. <laughs> There's nothing in them. There's nothing in them. You know, early in the morning... Early, early, early on the first Easter morning, Mary Magdalene got up, and it was still dark out. Sometimes you get up for school, is it still dark? Yeah. Well, it was still dark out, and she was so worried, because the Lord Jesus had been killed on what? On a cross, like this one behind us. And he had been buried in a what? A tomb. And do you know what was rolled in front of the tomb? A big rock. That's exactly right. Or a big stone. So they rolled this big stone in front of the tomb. Well, it was still dark, and Mary Magdalene went up and she went to the tomb or the cave where Jesus was buried. And guess what she saw? She saw nothing. nothing. Just like our empty eggs. The Lord Jesus had what? What had the Lord Jesus done? Does anybody know what the Lord Jesus did? What did He do? He had risen. He had risen from the dead. Well, I guess you're all wondering how we got these eggs like this, aren't you? Last night, as a family, we sat in the kitchen and we poked holes in one side and then the other and we blew really hard on them until they were empty eggs. Just like the empty what? Tomb. The empty tomb. Well, let's pray, and then you guys can go back to your seats. Mr. Michael and Mr. Cameron, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this Easter day. Lord, we thank you that that tomb was empty just like our eggs. And Lord Jesus, we praise you that you can live in our hearts and you can make us new in Christ. In your name we pray, amen. You guys can go back to your seats.
1: You could probably leave that mess on the floor because um, <clears throat> it really represents, um, in some ways, our lives. You know, we make a mess at times, don't we? But fortunately, the good news of the gospel uh, is that Jesus cleans it up for us, and uh, that, that's really what I want to share this morning, um, if I may. And if you're visiting with us, let me say a welcome to you. My name's Pastor Steve, and uh, I am glad that you're here this morning. And um, just as we have a little bit of additional time to think about the gospel, I want to share just a bit about, well, this notion of the, the death of Jesus and the resurrection, if I might. Uh, so I've, I've put a little slide presentation together. It's very uh, short, by the way. It's just four uh, little uh, slides. But I want to begin this morning, if I may... Uh, by reading to you um, a number of scriptures. Jesus, as He was preparing to go to Jerusalem... And oh, by the way, aren't you glad our kids are with us? I'm, I am so glad they're with us. It's the sounds of life. Now, if you're a parent, you're telling little Jimmy or little Susie, you know, Shh, quit wiggling and don't talk and you know, all that stuff. And we recognize that. But life happens, and it's sort of like the eggs. And it's okay. In fact, this morning our air conditioner quit working. On Easter Sunday, who would have thought? So those of you who are sitting near the exit, you're probably saying, it's so cold in here. And others who are in the middle or up in the top are going, it's so hot in here, I'm going to die. Life happens. Well, let's get back to our text here this morning. Um, And God understood that life would happen and that really is the reason why Jesus came so uh, Jesus was walking with his disciples and spending time with them and he was healing sick people and he was doing all kinds of things so that people would begin to understand who he was as he began to approach the city of Jerusalem he began to share with his disciples more about what they could expect and in Mark's Gospel I've been reading through the Gospel of Mark Beginning in chapter 8, we find the first time in this gospel where Jesus said, verse 31, Mark eight thirty-one, And He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days He would rise again. Now, if you're like me and if we are like them they began to hear it and they would go okay Jesus is going to go to Jerusalem he'll be rejected killed blah blah blah." but on the third day he'll rise again yeah we get it no we don't they didn't have a clue the next chapter Mark chapter 9 we find the very same thing verse 31 and he taught his disciples and he said to them the son of man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men and they will kill him and after uh, he has been killed. He will rise the third day. And verse 32 says, um, But they did not understand this saying, and they were afraid to ask him. Have you ever had a question and were afraid to ask it? Besides, I do it all the time. I'll, I'll look stupid if I ask that question, so sometimes I don't um, ask them. Well, now we get to the 10th chapter. So, chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10, Jesus is saying redundantly to his disciples, beginning at verse, well, about in the middle portion of verse 32 of chapter 10 of Mark's gospel. Uh, And he took the twelve aside and he began to tell them, now the third time, that which was going to happen to him. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priest and to the scribes, They will condemn him, deliver him to the Gentiles. He will be mocked. They'll scourge him. That means beat him. Uh, They will spit on him. They will kill him. And on the third day, he, the Son of Man, will rise again. Three different times in the course of I don't know how many days between Mark chapter 8 and Mark chapter 10, but Jesus told his disciples what was going to happen. Now, I would suggest to you that we are often like the disciples. In fact, if you, we don't need to turn to Luke's Gospel, but Luke in verse 24, in fact, all of the four endings of the four Gospels have something to say about the disciples didn't believe. Remember Thomas, he said, I, well, I'm not going to believe he wasn't there at the resurrection. And he said, I'm not going to believe unless I can stick my hands in his, or my fingers in his hand and thrust my hand into his side. And you know how that went down. Jesus showed up and he said, here, Thomas, stick your hand here. Well, in Luke's gospel, chapter 24, verse 38, it said, uh, Jesus said, why are you troubled? And why do you doubt in your heart? And then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Now, what I want to do this morning in a very simplistic form is to kind of... um, Connect some dots for you. For if you're like the early disciples, they didn't get it even though they would see it. And many of us are like that. We don't get it the first time. We got to hear and then hear again and hear again. Well, uh, what is that which we want to um, uh, understand this morning? Well, I remember, and here's where this sort of started. I remember a number of years ago that. Um, my family and i would go to church well one or two times a year whether we needed it or not and um we were well what some people would say uh, we were ceo churchgoers you know uh, christmas and easter only and and we would go and i can remember sitting in church you know much like this one and i would just i couldn't i couldn't get it i couldn't access what this guy was trying to say to me maybe like some of you right now where's this guy going you know well we'll get there and uh... there was language that would be used and there were things that were done that would seem strange and weird to me um... and it took a long time for me to have the dots connected so this morning what i want to do what i sense god put on my heart to share with you is to just try to share uh... in a very Well, simplistic form, how to connect some dots. Because I know there are many people here this morning who have questions. Much like the early disciples. Much like I did when I began to inquire into this thing of following Jesus. So uh, we want to talk about the resurrection and the promise of new life. And the disciples had a difficult time fully uh, understanding what Jesus was really about. Well, I want to... Therefore, um, kind of uh, look at some of the core issues of what it means to be um, a believer in Jesus. Now I brought a coin with me. I can only find a quarter. and um, I brought it because it has a heads and it has a tails. <laughs> oh, sure it does. But sometimes we don't understand the gospel that it is actually both sides of the same coin. So that when we talk about the resurrection of Jesus, that could be likened to heads, we have to understand that there was also a death that had to happen, and it's a unified whole. And therefore, the first dot that I want to begin with is that what most of the church at large understands, and that is that Jesus died for me. Can you say for me? Jesus died for... Me Now, I want to begin there and uh, ask you to turn, if you would like to, or if you have a Bible or want to look at one in front of you, in the pew rack, to um, Romans chapter 5. And I believe that, that the early disciples, when they saw and experienced the death of Jesus when they realized that He was raised from the dead, even though they had those pieces together, it was some time beyond that before they could really connect the dots. So if you're here this morning, like I am, it takes me a while to connect the dots, just be of good cheer. Because um, God has something big in store for each one of us. The first dot I want to look at, just uh, Romans chapter 5, beginning at verse 6, Jesus died for me. Now, let me read, beginning in verse 6, uh, if I may. It says, the Apostle Paul was speaking, and it said, For when um, we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Now, we could spend all day on that, which we're not. You see, it, 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 when we were still weakened, when we were still unable to understand Anything in due time In the right time of God's economy Christ died for the ungodly Now much of the church has parked at this point of the gospel that, That God has done something for us And we are ungodly and need Him to do something for us And the fact of the matter is that's accurate But that's not all there is you see, Jesus died for us, so let's read on just a little bit further. Uh, so, chapter, verse 6 says, And when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for me, for the ungodly. Now let's look at verse 8. Verse 8 is, um, is, is interesting because it says, But God demonstrates His own love toward us while we were still in our sin God loved me even when I was in my sin that's what the Bible said that God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us Christ died for me now this little preposition for it's an interesting one it means that when Jesus died he died for me that means he died in my place so that when Jesus died on the cross, when we say Jesus died for me, he, can you imagine Jesus dying for you? That's, that's, that's almost scandalous. And so let's read on just a little bit further. He died for me. He died in my place. Now when we get down to verse 9, Paul says not only did Jesus die for me, when we were weakened and unable to do anything about our sin, God demonstrated His love toward us. And then He says, verse 9, everybody look at it if you have your Bible, it says, much more than. What do you mean, much more than? This man Jesus died for me and He died in my place. And now Paul says, much more than. Much more than what? Much more than uh, having now been justified by His blood. Oh, now, now that's interesting. What does it mean to be justified? Now, when I do something wrong in my humanness, and I do, sometimes I find myself wanting to justify myself. Now, when we use the word in that way, it means I've done something foolish and I try to cover it up and justify myself. That's not what the word means. The word justify is actually a legal term and it means That the God, the judge of the universe, the God of heaven, has actually done something by sending His Son Jesus to die in my place and for me. He has justified me in His sight. Which means, just as if I had never sinned. Ah, Come on. Now let's think about that for a minute because we know we say that Jesus died for me, but we do not have an adequate understanding of what the implication of that toward me has done. God has said, Steve, when you trust in me, my son who died for you, he has died in your place, and I have made you just in my eyes. The word actually means righteous. God has made you and me righteous by His blood. Now that's one of the dots I didn't get early on. When I would go to church, I'd see weird people raising their hands and doing all kinds of things, and I didn't get it. I didn't recognize that Jesus died for me, and when I place my trust in Jesus, that the God of heaven says, now you, even though you were weak and a sinner and ungodly, my son is going to die for you and in your place, and when he does that, and when you lay hold of that and believe it, I am now going to credit to your account righteousness i know i see some eyes glazed like deer in the headlights okay because we don't have a theology that embraces that i am righteous before a holy god we have a theology that says i'm just a worm i'm a sinner and i'm saved by grace and it is true i was a sinner And it is true that it is only by grace that any of us is saved. But, beloved, I want to say to you that this word says that when Jesus died for you and for me, that God, by the blood of Jesus, has declared you and me just and righteous. See, more than this, verse 9 says, But God demonstrates His love. But more than demonstrating His love, having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from His wrath through Him. I want to park there for just a minute. Many in the church understand that Jesus died for them. That Jesus paid the penalty for their sin and that God has credited something to their account, but they don't quite get this other piece that I just read. That the wrath of God is now turned away from me and I deserve that wrath. Uh, The grace of God is turned away from me and put somewhere else. Any idea where it was put? On the cross. On Jesus. It says much more than having been made just and righteous by His blood, we shall be saved by, from His wrath through Him. Now, justified, but how big is the blood of Jesus? How strong is the blood of Jesus? How substantial and how thorough is the blood of Jesus? Now, here's the church does this. I promise you, some of you are saying, man, this guy's this is heresy. No, it's the, it's the gospel. You see, but you and I spend all of our time walking on a tightrope, and and we because i try, i have to be good enough somehow oh, i have to be good enough because if i'm not somehow good enough god's going to reject me and see we have this notion then that 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 god uh has maybe sort of forgiven me but am i made righteous in his eyes That's what the text says. And not only are we made righteous and justified by His blood, but His wrath is now averted. Now God declares us righteous and He turns His wrath away from us. And as what Michael was saying earlier, therefore, if the blood of Jesus is sufficient, by which then God credits righteousness to my account and He turns His wrath away from me, that means I'm now unpunishable. Now watch this. Many of you are spending your time worrying whether, whether somehow God is just about ready to break out and be, God is right on the verge of being angry with you. You see what I'm saying? And what if I slip Oh, He's really going to be angry with me. He's going to pour His wrath out on me. No, Jesus already justified you by His blood. Jesus already took the wrath that you deserved and by His blood then, you are absolutely clean before Him and unpunishable. Go ahead and fall if you need to. The grace of God is going to be there to pick you up because where sin abounds... Grace does more abound. Now that's what Paul was talking about when he said that Jesus died uh, for our sin. He justifies us. He turns away His wrath from us. Jesus took our sin, your sin and mine on Himself and He took the punishment you and I deserve. You see, God, some of you have a theology that God is just really good and angry with you. Now in First John, there's this little word propitiation, which means covering. God, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with, with, with God, who is Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He. Is the propitiation? He is the covering. What that means is that on him, God has poured out and executed all of the anger and all of the wrath that you and I deserve. God's happy. Now that sounds kind of tongue-in-cheek. God's in a good mood. I know that, that you know that's a human sort of thing. But some of you aren't living that way. You're living. What if? What? What if I just? What if I just? What if? What if Jesus died and already paid the price for your sin? What if Jesus already took the wrath that you and I deserve and sets us free? You see, the gospel then must begin with the understanding that Jesus died for me, but there's more. Jesus not only died for me, but He died as me. Now, now listen, just, just pay attention for just a minute. Let me look at now at, at uh, Romans chapter 6. We were in chapter 5. Now let's look at Romans chapter 6 for just a minute. I want to do a little Bible study with you here for just a moment. Jesus died not only for me, but Jesus died um, as me. This is about our union with Him. See, when you invite Christ into your life, you are united with Him. Uh, You are one with Him. Now, Jesus died as me. Let's look at uh, verse 3. And Paul says, Or do you not know that as many as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Now many of us see baptism as just a symbol, and it is a symbol. But it's more than that. When when a person places faith in Christ who died for them, Baptism then signifies the spiritual reality That I am now dead with Jesus Let me push this a little bit further so you can see it Um, Verse uh, 4 says this Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death Now picture that, buried with Him Some of you aren't very buried Meaning Meaning you don't, we don't understand, we've not yet connected the dots, that not only did Jesus die for me, but when He was, was, was dead and buried, what I just read to you is that we've been buried with Him. In baptism. And we are buried with Him, and therefore uh, Jesus not only died for us, but because we were buried with Him, He died as us. Now, it's hard to get a hold of, but the spiritual reality is when we come to Christ, we are absolutely uh, uh, forgiven because Jesus died for us. God is no longer angry at us because His justifiable wrath was poured out on another. And Jesus not only died for us, but He died as us as well. Now, when we trust Christ... Uh, he, de- he did all of that for us Now let's look at uh, verse 5 of chapter 6 as well Now it says, for if we have been united together in the likeness of His death Now think about that If we have been united with Him in the likeness of His death It goes on to say, we shall surely and certainly then Be united with Him in the likeness of His resurrection how do you get into the resurrection? It's by recognizing that we are united with Jesus. When Jesus died, I was buried with Jesus. Jesus died not only for me, but Jesus died as me. When you get a hold of that as revelation that God sent His Son just not just to give His life as a ransom so that you might be forgiven dying for you, but He actually died as you, the Scripture now says you're dead. Now, there are implications of that, which is the point that I'm trying to make here. You see, if we've been united together with Him in the likeness of His death, we'll be united with Him in the likeness of His resurrection. A couple more verses. Um, Knowing this, then, verse 6 says this, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him. Anybody got any old men here? Yeah, there are a few old men. I am one of them. But that's not what it's talking about. You see, the old man, what is the old man? The old man that has the propensity to sin. The old man that God holds accountable. The old man that deserved to die. What the scripture is saying here is that uh, we have, if we're united with him in the likeness of his death, our old man is now crucified with him and the body of sin is done away with. Now, here's where it goes and why this is so profound. Verse 7 says, let me read it for he who has died how do we die come on humor me how do we die it's a spiritual death when we're identified with jesus when jesus died i died jesus died not just for me but jesus died as me you we really got to get this as a church because it awakens something in our heart about sons and daughters of who we are you see verse seven then Says this, knowing this, that our old man was crucified. Um, Verse 7 says, For he who has died has been. Are you looking at your Bible? Lest you think I'm making this up. Verse 7 says, He who has died has been freed from sin. That's really weak. He or she who has died. Now the context is if you've died, if you've been buried with Jesus in baptism, if you've been thrown into the grave with Jesus, if you reckon that Jesus not just died for you, but you are now identified with Him spiritually. When Jesus died, you died. Jesus died as you. Yeah. Dead men walking. <laughs> not dead in our sin but dead to our sin. You see? Now verse 11 then says this in chapter uh, 6. Consider therefore yourselves dead to sin. I don't think the church gets that. Uh, you know, the church at large. We don't get it. Jesus died for me. Jesus took my penalty that I deserved. But now I've got to stay right on the tightrope. And if I get off of that, then I'm, a, I, I'm in trouble. Well, Jesus paid it all. And all to Him I now owe. Sin left its crimson stain, but He washed it white as snow. You see, He washed it white as snow. That's why Ephesians 5.8 says, You were once darkness. That's who I was. But now you are light in the Lord. You understand you see you were once darkness I deserve death Jesus paid for my sin Jesus died as me not just for me Ephesians 2 1 says you were dead in your trespasses and sins but you are now but now you are made alive with Christ I once was dead but now I'm alive I once was lost but now I'm found I was darkness. But now I am light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Do you understand what Paul's trying to say here? Jesus, in fact, died for you. Connect the dot. Jesus now died as you. And as you are now dead in him, I've now freed you from your sin. That doesn't mean you can't be an idiot and do something stupid. What it means is that you're dead that God actually has reckoned His righteousness to you and that you're now alive in Him. Now, let's push it a little bit further. We're going to end real quickly here. Jesus died for me. Jesus died as me. But look, there's more than that. Jesus now lives in me. Now, just think about it. God is holy. We sang about it this morning. And we get in such fear and trepidation. Oh, God's, God's holy. Ooh. Of course He's holy. But guess what? He who is holy can only come and live in those who have been made holy. How do I get made holy? Through the blood of Jesus. Through the blood of Jesus, God has died for us, justifying us and turning His wrath away from us. Jesus sets us free from our sin. Now, Jesus lives... In me, and we'll look at all of the text, but Romans 5 5 says this, but uh, hope does not disappoint us because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has been given to us. Why would he who is holy want to come and live in somebody who is unholy? He would not, except God has justified you and calls you righteous. God's turned His wrath away from you. Not only did Jesus die for you, He died as you, and now you're dead so that He who is holy can come and fill you up. Fill your life up with His presence. You see, true intimacy then begins with the Spirit of Christ coming and living in us on the day of Pentecost. We won't spend time looking at that, but the Holy Spirit was made available to every believer when we believe in Jesus, what shall we believe? That He died for my sin, that He died as me, that He now wants to come and fill me. Your body is the, holy, the, the temple of the Holy Spirit. Paul says, Second Corinthians one twenty-two says the Holy Spirit has sealed us and given was been given to us as a guarantee. It also says the same thing in Ephesians one twenty-two, that we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee. The Holy Spirit, now Jesus having died for us, we have died in Him, or Jesus is fact, uh, when Jesus died, I died, now the Holy Spirit comes to live His life within us, which is the full circle of the Gospel. Um, God has chosen to make His home in us and to dwell in us To make us His people. I think that's why Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. See, dead. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ who now lives in me. Jesus died for me. Jesus died as me. Therefore, I died. Jesus now lives in me. And Let me end by one more point. God had a purpose in separating our sin from us taking on our sin and dying as us, Jesus now living in us by His Spirit, and it looks like this. Jesus lives through us. You see, the whole Gospel has the conclusion that you and I are now stewards of His presence. You might be here today and you say, well, where is God anyway? Well, He lives right in the cathedral of our heart when we invite Him to do so because he died for us making us just turning away God's anger he died as me I'm now dead so that he who is holy can come and live in me and now God just wants to show off through you Holy Spirit is in you if you've not been filled with the Spirit if you've not been baptized in the Spirit if you've not been empowered by the Spirit I don't care what you call it He who is holy wants to come and live His life fully in you, and He did so so that others might see who He is through you. Let me read just one Scripture here, and we'll end. Allowing Jesus to be seen in you and to be released through you. 2 Corinthians 5.19 puts it this way. I love this verse. It says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. Now, where was Christ. God was in Christ, now where is Christ? He's in us. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Did you hear that? Because some of you are beating yourself up for being human. Some of you are chastising yourself and are living in shame because you feel like you don't measure up. You don't. Neither do I. Jesus measured up. And when you receive Him, understanding He died in your place for you, He died as you, the Holy Spirit now comes to live in your life so that others can see who He is through your life. Not counting their trespasses against them, and has now given to us the ministry of reconciliation. All over the world there are people that are dying to catch a glimpse of God. Where is God these days? He died for me. He died as me. Jesus now lives in me and wants to bless a whole lot of people through me. That's true for you today. But you see, here's the kicker of the gospel. You can hear it. You can say, yep, I understand it. Yeah, I sort of believe it. But when you appropriate and make your own that Jesus now has forgiven your sin, separated it from you, as far as the east is from the west, things will begin to really be transformed and ramped up in your life. When you recognize it's no longer about you, get off the tightrope. I'm not saying go live your life the way you want to. I'm saying just ease up. Take a deep breath. And breathe out and receive the fresh love of Jesus for you. Because He now lives in your heart. And God wants to show other people who He is. He wants to show off through you. Really? Yeah. God just wants to show Himself through each one of us. It's not because of who we are, except we've been purchased. We've been cleansed. We've been filled with his presence, and now we just get to share with other people. Hey, what is this about your life? Oh, just, I love Jesus. Do you know how powerful that is to someone who's dying of thirst when you share that I've just taken a drink of crystal clear bubbly water and God invites you to do the same thing? Come on to Jesus. He loves you just the way you are. But the church has spent so much of its time condemning people for who they're not. Now, let me ask a final question. Romans 5, I think it is verse 6, says that God demonstrated His love toward us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, the underscore there is that God demonstrated His love toward us when we were still sinners. How do you think God looks at you now that you're no longer a sinner? Having been justified by his blood, his wrath having been turned aside from you, his presence living in you, how do you think God now looks at you? He looks at you with eyes of compassion and love as a son and a daughter. Folks, that's a game changer. Religious people don't get it. They do not get it. But God is changing things. The wind currents are changing and the people of God are beginning to understand who they are. I was a sinner, saved by grace. But having been saved by grace, God now doesn't see me as a sinner just saved by grace. God sees me as a saint in whom His Spirit lives who has been given the ministry of reconciliation, no longer counting their sins against them, but telling them the good news of the gospel. You say, I've never given my life to Jesus. Then God still sees you as a sinner. But the good news is you don't have to stay there. The good news is come on into the party because God has forgiven you. All you need to do is receive his life into your life. You might be here this morning and you go, okay, I get that Jesus died for me, but Jesus died as me? Now, if you don't have that peace yet in your thinking, I just encourage you to study the Scriptures, particularly Romans 5, Romans 6, because if you don't have the understanding that Jesus died as you, you're going to beat yourself up for not being perfect. That's a bummer. I can never do it. I can never perform enough. But God has already forgiven us. Will you receive that? You might be here and you'll go, okay, I get it. Jesus died for me. Jesus died as me. But Jesus now lives in me. Brothers and sisters, you can invite Him to come and fill your life with His Spirit and He will do it just now. And other people will begin to see how big He is in your life. Let's pray together, shall we? Let's just stand. We'll be dismissed here in just a minute. But, Father, thank You for giving us an opportunity to think through all of, well, the dimensions of something that's really hard to get a hold of for a lot of us. But thank You, God, that because of the blood of Jesus, You have set a people free from their sin. Lord, we sing about it. Help us to integrate it into our life. Help us to walk being filled with your Spirit. God, help us to recognize that you have done everything by which we can walk as a free people. Having died the sin, we're now freed from it. I'm going to ask some of our prayer team to come, some of our elders, if you wouldn't mind joining me. Because maybe you're here today and you just want to, well, you know, I want to pray about this thing of Jesus died for me. I don't think I've ever really gotten that or Jesus died as me. I really want to get that. We want to pray for you before you slip out. Maybe you've never been filled with His Spirit. Or maybe you've grown cold. Or maybe you've just grown sort of tired and you need a fresh infilling of His Spirit, God stands ready to demonstrate His life in each one of us. Now let's just stick out our hands and I'm going to give you a simple benediction, a blessing. Now may the great love of God be poured out into each one of our hearts afresh. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be imparted to the very fabric of who we are. May the fellowship of His Holy Spirit come afresh and blow the fresh wind of His life in me and through me so that we might be participants in that ministry of reconciliation. God, we bless you and we thank you. As we're slipping out, even now, if you'd like special prayer, I'm going to invite you to come. We're going to just be up here a while and just hang with you. We'd love to pray with you, pray for you. Hug on somebody as you leave. Tell them that Jesus died for you. Or tell them Jesus died as you. Or tell them Jesus lives in you and wants to be seen through you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day today in Jesus' come, and we'll pray for you as we conclude.